0: All right, welcome back. Welcome to Yanagita Podcast Show, episode 49. It's been so crazy. Every week goes so quickly. And if you guys haven't already, please like and subscribe and keep tuning in because we got a bunch of good stuff coming out. And today, we're with Alan Kalaiba'a, who is going to become our general manager for Yanagita Fitness. And so what a fitting topic to talk about leadership. And so I know some people have been asking about the second half of that podcast we were talking about in the maybe about 15 episodes ago. Talking about leadership. And I think we got through about half the book. And the thing about leadership, it's so incredible because it's something that's not tangible, but it's present or it's not present. And then there's like different directs, indirect different maneuvers and tactics and so I'm really thankful this is one of the one of the people that's really influenced our lives Uh, Jocko Willings books leadership strategy and tactics but I've also had the uh, opportunity to learn from other people such as the Todd Durkin's the John Maxwell's and you know we've just been so fortunate with so many amazing people but this book just really easy to read so if you haven't read the book Go support him. You know, we just—I just really support this guy and his book. Leadership strategy. Yeah, white smudge. (laughs) If you guys first look at this, I thought it was a white smudge at first, and it took me a while until I realized it was just 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 a face. So, so first topic, ladies and gentlemen. You know, this is a common question: is uh, how do you earn? influence and respect and i know that's a really good question because some places you know there's a lot of places where they demand you are, I demand respect and why can't you respect me and um and so i'm just going to read a little bit and uh we'll go back and forth and we'll share our thoughts this is page 97 if you guys have the book and for those just listening check it out all right so middle of the paragraph The leader needs to build upon that initial platform and increase the respect and influence they receive from the troops as much as possible. How is that done? Similar to building trust to build build respect and influence, you have to give respect and influence. Treat people with respect. What does that mean? Allow them to give their opinion. Listen to them. Don't interrupt them. Don't disparage the importance of their job or position. Share the burden of the hard tasks and that is same. The same is true for influence. If you want to have influence over others, you need to allow them to have influence over you. That means when you listen to them, you actually listen. You consider their recommendations and whenever possible, you incorporate their thoughts and ideas into whatever you are trying to accomplish. You keep an open mind. The more You respect people and allow people to influence you, the more respect you will gain, and the more influence you will have over them. It's uh, yeah. I mean, it's pretty straightforward, but I love this one. I mean, uh, what what do you think, Al?
1: Yeah, I mean, I feel like it's a it's a give and take, right? It's not really leadership. Well, people throw the word leadership at it, but. I feel like if you're not listening to the people that are in the trenches that are you know working you know with other people that it's you can't just tell them what to do if you don't really know what's going on Mm -hmm. so i guess that kind of open communication and trusting them to make those decisions and hearing their feedback helps the organization grow more Mm -hmm. right and grow together Yeah, not just one person trying to dictate everything, and but they don't know what's going on on the yeah what's actually going on. They just kind of assume what's going on. So Mm -hmm. yeah,
0: yeah, that's super powerful. I remember when I first read this and heard this in audio, I was thinking like, wow, if you want to have influence over others, allow them to influence you. And at first, the one thing that comes to your mind is like, wait, that sounds. Weird, or that sounds like they're gonna influence you. Then that means. But I was like, the only thing that would bother is if someone has a fragile ego, <laughs> right? And I got like, huh! I was like,
1: mm, what is this feeling?
0: Supporting ego. Mm. Check the ego, Justin.
1: It reminds me of um, <laughs> the five levels of leadership, the John Maxwell book.
0: Okay, another um, great book,
1: guys. By the way, and the right the first level is position so i feel like some people use just position as where they think that's influence but it's really not because it's kind of like just saying because i said so do this but then they don't know the why right Mm -hmm. but then level Mm -hmm. two right is building or is getting that permission from them so building their relationships Mm -hmm. with the people and um Mm -hmm. them trusting you but they won't really trust you until they know that you trust them Mm
0: -hmm.
1: and it reminds me of teaching because Mm -hmm. the kids they won't really learn from somebody if they don't feel like they're respected by you like i know i don't know if that sounds like weird to some people but if you respect the kids and you make them feel heard and loved and respected then they'll give that they're more likely to give that to you in return Mm -hmm instead of just saying oh we're doing this because i said so Mm. well the kids can just be like "Eh, (laughs) whatever yeah but yeah i think it's a a give and take even with kids
0: yeah and so for those listening they probably want to what what was the rest of the levels so level one is position level two is permission
1: permission
0: and then the third one what was that uh was it results or something like that
1: Oh, productivity. Oh, that's
0: right. And Mm -hmm. then
1: the fourth one was uh, production. No, no, that wasn't production. Hello. It's when you like build people. Oh, people development. People development, thank you. Okay, okay, And then pinnacle is five. Oh,
0: it's just like pretty much you're creating nonstop uh, leaders and all levels. No, but that's, uh, it's really incredible because when people, I would ask mentors before, like what leadership books do you recommend? They said all you need is two authors, Jocko Willink and John C. Maxwell, and I was like, "Huh?" So you have one perspective who comes from the business world and the church and the and the church secular world, and then the other side where it's the Navy SEAL, the military, and also the business side. Mm-hmm. And so, I mean, it's a really good foundation, I think, for all leaders at whatever level to read. And this next part is the part where Jocko himself said he struck a chord with a lot of people <laughs> because he's typically a very gray area about, like, about like, contradictions, about being aggressive, but then being tactful, being confident, but being humble. So sometimes I know it can sound contradicting, um, but it's not really a contradiction. It's more of a contrast, being strong but soft.
1: 20 that one?
0: Yeah, and so this one, this next part is called "Extreme Ownership of Everything," which is also a book on its own too. Extreme Ownership, highly recommend that book. It's like also a good read. A wonderful read too. And so I'm just gonna read from the middle of the middle of the book, a page ninety-eight. The idea of extreme ownership has struck a chord with people, and it has been incredibly effective in helping those in all kinds of leadership position leading all kinds of teams in all kinds of industries businesses and professions leaders found that when they took ownership of everything in their world they saw other members of their teams both up and down the chain of command taking ownership as well when people take ownership of their jobs and their missions the jobs get done and the mission gets accomplished when there are problems and people take ownership of those problems the problems get solved (laughs) while extreme ownership might seem like a fairly simple concept to understand it can be difficult to fully comprehend what it really means what it really means is that the leader is responsible for everything absolutely everything this can be hard to fully understand because there are times when a subordinate does something that the boss feels they cannot control and cannot possibly be responsible for A subordinate might make a mistake or take an action that is completely unexpected. How can that be the leader's fault? Here's an example. I like to use the example of a young machine gunner in a SEAL platoon to exemplify how a leader truly is responsible for everything that happens. A SEAL machine gunner plays a key role in a SEAL platoon as the name implies. He carries a machine gun, a heavy belt-fed weapon capable of firing over 700 rounds per minute. The machine gun's ability to lay down such massive firepower makes it critical to a SEAL platoon or squad because it is a main weapon that puts down suppressive fire on the enemy, keeps the enemy's heads down, allowing the rest of the SEALs to maneuver. The machine gun provides a main source of cover in the fundamental tactic of cover and move, the first law of combat. Of course, the machine gun doesn't operate itself. It is worthless without the machine gunner. The machine gunner carries the weapon and its ammunition, maintains the weapon, loads and fires the weapon, those are the mechanics of his job. But a machine gunner must also be aware of how to best employ his weapon. He must understand how to get in a good position from which to best engage the enemy and provide cover for his team. He must also understand the terrain he is in and see how it can be used to his advantage and to the advantage of the platoon. And how the enemy can also use terrain to their advantage if allowed to do so. The machine gunner must also understand his field of fire. Field of fire is the area of the battlefield a SEAL is responsible for. Whether a street, hallway, valley, or cardinal direction, in that area he must locate and engage the enemy. And so, long story short, right when the gunner fires in a, miss, in a different direction, and he points in a completely different way the new leader the fire chief leader basically looks at his boss which is Jocko, and said you should go tighten him up he's the one that messed up and Jocko just looked really he said he looked really disappointed at him um because regardless of the reason the gunner failed it is the leader's fault a leader is responsible for everything a person on his or her team does And so even when one of his team members who worked for him in town drank too much and got into a fight, he always thought, where did he mess up? Where did he make, where did he fail to make that individual realize the consequences of his actions? And, you know, what a powerful mindset where that way the leader is never the victim. Mm-hmm. right cuz it's like man like okay i could have texted him or her i could have called him or her yeah i don't think i explained it well enough man i was th- i think i was i think i killed the the drive by being too this or not enough or too much or and so he also talks about the weather this is a good example mm-hmm. so taking extreme ownership this is page 103 gang is Taking extreme ownership means that leaders are responsible for every action the people on their team makes. And so, one of the great examples is the weather. Everyone knows that we can't control the weather. So, if a mission has to be canceled because the weather is too bad for the helicopters to fly to the target, that obviously can't be the leader's fault. After all, the leader can't control the weather. Wrong. (laughs) While the leader can't control the weather... He can certainly put contingency plans in place in case there is bad weather. There could have been a backup plan using ground vehicles to get to the target. The leader could have forward staged closer to the target so helicopters weren't required. He could have even come up with a contingency timeline that kept all assets available if the weather turned bad. So the mission could be delayed rather than canceled. So while the leader can't control the weather, he can certainly plan to deal with it. This means there are no buts to taking extreme ownership. It applies to everything. And the moment a leader decides to allow excuses, it opens up the door to shift blame onto others, which lead to failures. Oh my goodness. Alan, what do you think? Extreme um, ownership.
1: I had a few like notes for myself as I was reading through it the second time. Mm-hmm. And it just said, uh, be the example and take ownership. right? Because as a you can't expect other people to do something that you're not willing to do too. Mm-hmm. And in the end, and it it is the the leader's fault. You know, maybe something was overlooked or wasn't planned enough, and and that's maybe where the miscommunication happened, mm-hmm. or uh, you know, the troops didn't understand why, um, or with the whole weather situation, you know, there wasn't a plan B. We're, all of our eggs are in a in one basket, and. There was a, a hiccup, and there was nothing out. There, there's no backup, right? That ends up being the leader's fault because that was like oversight on their part. Mm. But like you were saying earlier, Jocko says in his. One of his other books dichotomy of leadership you know make sure that you don't like over plan though too yes. like you don't want to plan for every small thing that may end up happening that's like the one percent which i feel like sometimes is my issue is that i don't always or that i sometimes i overthink things so trying to find the balance of making sure that i am covering all of the things that might happen or is m- more likely to happen versus something that has a very very small percentage of happening like a mm-hmm. tornado rolling through since we don't really have tornadoes in Hawaii that's We'd. true but yeah mm-hmm. I think just kind of find, finding the balance in between when it comes to planning but um yeah even just small things like oh I sh- should have explained this a little bit more or made sure that this person understood um, what the their part of the mission was and oh I should have checked with them one more time to make sure and not saying oh well they didn't do this part so it's their fault well it's actually the leader's fault because it could have done one step more Mm -hmm. to make sure that everything was set Mm -hmm. you know
0: that's true And, uh, you know, people are probably wondering, like, well, it might seem easy to say when it's, like, just now, but what about when it really happens? Mm -hmm. Is that still a thing? Like, you know, because it's so much easier to just blame Johnny for dropping the eggs for (laughs) the restaurant, which slowed down the whole thing. But if you think about it, uh, one of the examples somebody asked me was at a restaurant situation, a server dropped the dropped the order basically and the owner was really upset you know why, why can't i just you know johnny just keeps dropping i'm just using johnny it's not johnny I'm not. <laughs> johnny kept dropping food and water and everything and basically he just threw him under the bus and was like you know you gotta just make sure you don't drop anymore and this this and this and blah, and just just straight on attacked him and i said so what did that do for johnny oh it made him want to quit Yeah, he's just weak. I said, what? No, dude, that's your fault. Like, maybe you put too much pressure on him or maybe you freaked him out too much or maybe you could have done a better job, have a better system. Uh, I mean, what do you think? Because, I mean, is he always like that? No. So it was just that busy Friday night? Yeah. Okay, what do you think? Huh. Yeah, maybe maybe it was Friday night. You know, so I just have to throw that out there. Um, Because, yeah, that's a good point. If I was that server and I felt really pressured and I dropped something if somebody responded to me like oh man I'm so sorry I apologize my fault I put too much pressure on you and you cracked and you just dropped everything let's clean it up together and so like you clean that up hurry up and clean that up ugh you gonna want to quit man and the crazy part is a lot of places operate like that and think it's normal yeah the blame,
1: shame and justify right yeah well, then it doesn't feel good for the person who is getting blamed. No. Because no. They, cause they probably think too that it's like, well, it's not my fault because. And then it just creates this whole like, chain reaction of, well, no one's taking ownership yeah. of the situation. And on, on the same note, though, it's like you can't just spot the problem. Like you got to figure out how to solve it. Yes. And not just come up with the solution, but actually execute yeah. the solution.
0: Yeah. And that's huge. Instead of just uh, saying, oh, there's a problem, there's like paper on the ground, you know, there's trash on the ground. Um, say, like, oh, all right, you took out the trash, everything, and we cleaned the place, we set up this, this, and this to make sure you And say, like, oh, okay, awesome. Uh, and actually doing that will build your trust and also your influence with whoever your boss is or even down the chain. Because mm-hmm. if they think like, holy crap, like uh, my boss or my team just did what they did, they did what, yeah. We already handled it? Yeah, here, check it out. This is what we did, what do you think? Oh, it's like, oh, you already set up the this, or you set up that, or that looks good to go. So that's a huge one. It's true. And, um.
1: It can't be the easy button now. Oh yeah,
0: we're gonna go into actually, that. yeah,
1: that's later on then.
0: So that's a good one. I
1: have a hard time with that one sometimes.
0: Yes. And and yeah, okay, we'll we'll save that one. This is the <laughs> one. So moving on is taking ownership when being blamed, and this is great because mm-hmm. I had a chance to actually talk to Jocko about this and people were like um, people were asking a live call with them. So what do I do when you know they keep blaming me? I'm the I'm the number three manager. And they keep blaming me and you know, uh, but it's not my fault, it's my boss or my boss's boss's fault and he was like so what are you doing you blaming them and then oh (laughs) oh well well an ideal world isn't don't they have to it's like well yeah but you can you can start the the chain if Mm -hmm. you start saying like you know what uh i dropped the ball and so going into this chapter page 104 i am so (laughs) People often ask, how do I take ownership when other people are blaming me and saying things are my fault? To me, the answer is blatantly obvious. I tell them that's the whole point. When your team blames you, you say, yes, everything is my fault. I am the leader and I am responsible for everything that happens, the good and the bad. And yes, this is my fault. And here is what I am going to do to fix it. Then I tell them to shift immediately to proactive problem solving and explain their solution, or if they don't have a solution, say they're trying to figure out a solution. And obviously it is hard to do this, once again, because of our egos. It hurts our egos when we accept the blame and take ownership of it. Some people can't get over that hurdle, but it hurts even more when someone else is pointing their finger at us, assigning us blame for whatever the problem is, and when someone points their finger at us and blames us for a problem. What do we do? We get defensive. We all get defensive. So the answer to this question is easy. When you are a leader and someone blames you for something going wrong, you accept the blame, you own it. And so, I'm gonna finish this off. But what happens when you are the subordinate and your boss is blaming you for something that went wrong? Once again, the ego and the defense mechanisms will activate and make you want to deny or shift the blame onto other people overcome those impulses and take ownership but what if it really wasn't my fault what if the problem really wasn't me i hear that objection all the time from people and you know it's just incredible because when we i i don't know if it's like a it was probably my grandfather or something to Try to take responsibility and so even at my first job that I got fired from or whatever I, I would try my best not all the time but from 18 19 I remember asking my bosses as a waiter when we messed up on sales and she would just look at us like how come nobody sold anything today how come nobody made any sales of the special and everybody got defensive, right? Well, boss, you didn't die. Boss, you didn't do this. Or you didn't support us enough. Or you didn't do that. And they would just fight, 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 fight. I would wait for everybody to fight. And I'm just over here like, oh. And I started training jiu If you guys haven't, train jujitsu, jitsu once you can. But I was training jiu-jitsu at this time. I remember thinking like fighting force with force is not good. Mm-hmm. I remember hearing people saying like, fight fire with water. I was like, what does that even mean? But so after the conversations were dying down with the boss and like the floor managers, I would go up to my boss, Sandy. This is a Yankee Sushi, my mall. And I would ask her, you know, I probably could have asked you like what the order actually was. I didn't even bother to ask you how much the thing was. I should have asked you. And you know, blaming each other is not gonna do anything because I really want to do a good job because, you know, if we sell more specials, we all get more tips, which means we all get bigger paychecks, right? Yeah, exactly. You know, and then she took ownership. She's like, well, you know, uh, I, I probably should have explained it better anyway. And, and, but it's, a, it's an incredible feeling because would you not swallow your prize, it's almost like just checking your ego and, like, winning for the organization of Genki Sushi uh, or wherever you work at. And if it's my ego or the organization, I'm going to pick the organization. If it's my ego or the family, I'm going to pick the family. Uh, if it's my ego for, or the team, it's going to be the team. And so it really is ego. It's just like, yeah, you no, know, you know, it, can't, it can't be my fault. No, he, he should have known that by now. Or, well, he's been here for seven years as a cook. How come he messed up? And, um,
1: I feel like it takes practice, though. Like. I think, after reading Jocko's books and all of the things that he has experienced, well for one, what I really like about how he writes is that it's not just theory so i have I personally have a harder time like reading through books that are just theories because in my brain it doesn't it doesn't really connect to me right but then Jocko he has a lot of. Um, examples about like real life examples that he experienced not just like a theoretical situation but things that had actually happened um but i feel like after reading through these books it gives you a different like lens on how you view things and like you pick up on little things that you or you, you noticed different things in you know your different workplaces or at home or you know wherever and or even in like movies and stuff although you know you know movies are fake but you've noticed these things because your 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 leadership lens right is on and in terms of um like for genki i feel like if you weren't reflective and like to yourself and if you kind of didn't put put down your own ego then she wouldn't have taken that ownership right so that is you sort of like leading up the chain of command Mm -hmm. right but i feel like it's hard it it's more difficult for people in the beginning because it's not a habit to be reflective of yourself to look at yourself Mm -hmm. about what you could have done because I feel like some people are more used to just looking at what other people did wrong,
0: right? right?
1: Which, you know, I was that way at some point. Probably sometimes I still am something that I'm still working on. Um, But I think just remembering to just kind of stop and detach and then reflect on yourself first will help the situation instead of just being really like over emotional and wanting to blame the, the person and that's true or anyone yeah
0: you know because the the really I love what you said because at the end of the day it's almost like there's almost always going to be someone that may blame us whether it's like our landlord whether it's the bank blaming us whether it's the governor whether it's the news attacking us whether it's whoever and the worst thing we can do is like no you know nothing you know there's nothing it's your fault actually governor or blaming the whatever this is not good versus so like you know what I, I i should have called you guys i should have made sure that um the procedures are up to date i should have followed up a little bit more and instantly they're like wow we we we, we support that and no joke i mean not not to like you know toot the horn or anything but during this whole covid thing we have been working really hard with our landlord with the banks with department of health and just keeping those relationships strong because we just want to make sure that we do a good job for you listening and also for the members if you're a member and that you guys come in and have a great time Mm. and so seriously if it's like if it's my ego that's going to hold back possibly building relationships with my landlord and department of health and the mayor's office then i'm gonna you can't eliminate it but like i'm gonna subordinate it Like, hey relax ego relax right now there's a time for you to be confident now it's time to just listen and even if the department of health or someone higher up blames me or blames us you know why aren't you doing that i thought you were supposed to be doing this already you know what martha you're right you You're right we should have checked in earlier that's our fault next time i'm gonna is it okay I'm gonna start calling you every Friday just to make sure that there's any updates oh well uh, you don't have to go that far but uh, yeah oh well yeah that, that sounds good and you and you follow through on the solution and they start trusting you and trusting you and trusting you and so I, I love what you said it's uh, really good so I like this one, too, because this is a good paradigm shift, a mental shift. Page 135, which is taking care of your people with discipline. Now, if you're a manager or you have people in your team, it's actually – this is what he says. Discipline is one of the best ways to take care of your people. And it's really interesting because this section – it makes sense i'm going to read the bottom part uh middle of page 136. if you really care about your people you won't coddle them at all you will push them hard you will train them hard you will make sure they understand the tactics of war and the weapons and radios they operate you will ensure they are in top physical condition and prepared for the mental and emotional stress so Which is actually true, too. And and he says the same thing is true in business. While lives may not be on the line, if you really want to take care of your people, you need to push them. Because while lives may not be on the line, their livelihoods may be on the line. And so you need to drive them towards their goals. If they fail professionally, they will fail to achieve their financial goals and cannot take care of their families or provide for them the way they want to. So when you are a leader, the best thing you can do is push them towards their goals. Of course, this drive must be balanced. You cannot drive your people so hard that you break them. Burnout is a real thing, and it happens on the battlefield and in business. Be cautious about that, don't let it happen. Taking care of your people also means knowing when to back off and when to give them a break. But don't think your job is to allow your people to take the easy path. The easy path leads to misery. The path of discipline leads them to freedom, mm-hmm. and this is a interesting section too. And what are your thoughts, Al?
1: The balance. <laughs> um, I'm a people pleaser. <laughs> <laughs> Just gonna come out and say that. And I feel like I, I'm on the more extreme side of. I feel like I tend to coddle people a lot. Mm. Um, because I don't want them to feel like, uh, an inconvenience. Like the thing that I'm asking is an inconvenience or pushing them beyond what their comfortability is, is an, is an inconvenience, but it needs to be a mind shift where it's not in, not to say that it's an inconvenience, but more so, um, helping them, Grow outside of their comfortability and their, you know, the, the box that they're comfortable in. And because by them leveling up, then our organization can also level up too. Yeah. Because if I automatically put a lead on them because of my ego and my feelings, then I'm not being a true leader, right? I'm not helping. Um, our people. I'm not helping the members. I'm not helping our mission of fighting sickness with fitness. I'm not helping our organization grow. So, I mean, it all comes back to ego, right? And um, the perception of other people. So, I think just having that mind shift for myself too is is always a good reminder. That's why I like Jaco's books because the way that he has it like laid out. If there's something that you're feeling or there's something that you're going or it just kind of like triggers you um, about it's so easy to go and look for the section Mm -hmm. and then to just do a really quick read and give you that reminder Mm -hmm. right that you're not really taking care of your people if you're just going to coddle them all the time Mm -hmm. but at the same time you can't push them so hard that they're they think it's junk and they just want to quit
0: yes absolutely right so finding
1: that like balance of okay i'm gonna push them this much so that they can grow this bit here and take this small step instead of saying hey you're gonna take this huge leap up here but then it's you know it's too scary or they're not quite ready for it yet um but i just you know want to be a hard ass and be like no you're gonna go there because i know that you can get there but taking those smaller steps and make it more doable for them is helps them grow i guess Mm. it's like members right you're not gonna say hey you're gonna lose 80 pounds in a week
0: that's a good point because that's not healthy no
1: no um Versus, okay, we're gonna make a goal of you know, a year and a half and we're gonna set these smaller goals so that it's mm. more doable, right? So essentially, it ends up being the same thing, right? Anyway.
0: That's true, because then they have that smaller target mm-hmm. that they can face, that's like lifting the weight, like, like 80 pounds is mm-hmm. crazy. And then you think like, oh, okay. Like, let's just make the first thing, Jimmy, just to come to that first class, Kathy. Jimmy just revolved to Kathy. <laughs> I <was> like, so, <laughs> just getting to that first class. No worry about the goal. we 80 pounds, 50 pounds. Just make it to class tomorrow. Oh, okay. I did that. What's next? Well, now just make sure you can come three times a week. Okay. And then, like, exactly what you're saying is right. And then, boom, and the next one, next one and so yeah i i agree versus saying like oh you're 80 pounds over you think you're 80 pounds overweight nah you're good keep on eating the chocolate Mm -hmm. keep eating the chips just relax don't need to do anything you're like that would be actually hurting them it would yeah by saying no don't do anything you're fine 80 pounds overweight your joints must feel fantastic (laughs) i'm being sarcastic
1: yeah, just feeding them like white lies basically yeah. just to make them feel better which is, not good. which is in the end it ends up being really detrimental to them and you're, we, we don't end up helping them yeah. right so I think setting more like realistic goals whether it's with um, our, team mem- or our teammates or um, members trying to hit whatever goal that they have set for themselves is um, having those little bits is definitely a better route than saying okay go yes
0: <laughs> that's so true
1: you have one week ready go
0: ready go oh my gosh that's so true you know and this next section is another really good one as well so this is Jocko section page 157 how to succeed as a new leader this is really important and this actually really helped me and a lot of our team as well whether it's becoming you know a team or manager or whatever it is once you have been selected as a leader it is time to lead what is the best way to do this like many things starting off on the right foot is simple but not easy here are some fundamental rules to keep in mind as you take command number one be humble it is an honor to be in a leadership position your team is counting on you to make the right decisions number two Don't act like you know everything, you don't. The team knows that. Ask smart questions. Number three, listen. Ask for advice and heed it. Number four, treat people with respect. Regardless of rank, everyone is a human being and plays an important role in the team. Treat them that way, take care of your people and they will take care of you. Number five, take ownership of failures and mistakes. Number six, pass credit for success up and down the chain. Number seven, work hard. As a leader, you should be working harder than anyone else on the team. No job is beneath you. Number eight, have integrity. Do what you say, say what you do. Don't lie up or down the chain of command. Number nine, be balanced. Extreme actions and opinions are usually not good. Number 10, be decisive. When it is time to make a decision, make one. Number 11, build relationships. That is your main goal as a leader. A team is a group of people who have relationships and trust one another. Otherwise, it is just a disconnected, incoherent cluster of people. Number 12, lastly, get the job done. That is the purpose of a leader, to lead a team in accomplishing the mission. If you don't accomplish the mission, you fail as a leader. Performance counts.
1: Dang. Which one do you think like, speaks most to you? To me? Mm-hmm. Like well, your top two, maybe, two or three. Number
0: one is be humble. Mm-hmm. Because that's the, I think if you're humble, you can do these other things. If you're a humble True. human being, you most likely will ask for help. If you're a humble person, you typically won't make crazy things or make you know crazy actions or opinions. Um, if you're humble, you typically will pass credit up and down to other people. Um, and if you're humble, that means you already think no job is beneath you. And I would say, yeah, the be humble, treating everybody with respect. And so that's super important. Whether it's uh, somebody that's a potential customer, potential member, potential teammate, potential anything, that I think that's really important. Just treating everybody with respect. And then of course I really also jive with the taking ownership of failures and mistakes, um, because that's a, also a really good mindset. That we're never going to be the victim. That we, even if we get blamed, that, I mean, it's correct. If someone blames us, why didn't you check in on the rules earlier? It's our fault. You know, we should have checked in. Earlier. And, and by saying that, it's actually very empowering for people listening. It might not be automatic in the beginning, mm-hmm. but take a moment before you just lash back out when you get blamed. And I promise your team and wherever you work at or whatever... Nonprofit you work at will win in the long term you might hurt your ego in the in the short term of like well but you should have told us you know you're the department of health or you're the this you should have let us know how come you didn't tell us our rent was changing you know it's easy to blame them um but that doesn't do any good for anybody else so and you know what you said ties in perfectly what we're gonna go into next is in leadership or actually, just in life in general, you're going to get imposter syndrome. This is 162. <laughs> because, you know, I'm going to start just reading a little bit from the beginning. Some people worry that they aren't ready for the leadership position. Some even feel once, that, once in that position that they don't deserve to be there. These anxieties are often described as imposter syndrome. But while some people worry about this feeling, I actually believe it can be a good thing if you are worried that you aren't ready for a leadership position that means you are humble if you are nervous it means you are going to do your best to prepare for the leadership role and once in it you are going to be thoughtful about your words actions and decisions all these things are positive positive. and going into the middle the burdens of command and the responsibility for my men and the mission were heavy and made me nervous about my decisions and actions because of that feeling i doubled down in preparation i focused on learning as much as i possibly could about strategy tactics and leadership i wanted to do a good job mm-hmm. and so imposter syndrome it is so interesting because it, it, it's a really interesting thing
1: it reminds me of um uh, when I was teaching, and uh, my work mom, makes you rest in peace,
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, I would always come to her, especially when when I first started, and I was super worried. I was still worried up until, you know, you, you, even right before I had left, I was still worried that I wasn't doing enough for the kids, right? That I wasn't being an effective educator, and, you know, she would always say, that if I wasn't having those feelings and if I wasn't worried and if I felt like I was doing everything perfectly and that I was doing this bang-up job, you know, then she would be worried about me because we could always get better no matter what we do, right? We can always get better. Even Olympic athletes can get better at whatever they, they do, right? True. So... Where was I going? <laughs> I don't know, but yeah. So I just think like being very, like you said, like focused on preparation. It be, because you felt like you wanted to make sure you did a good job, you were gonna be more prepared. And if you're more prepared, then there's a higher probability that what you're trying to accomplish is gonna get done well.
0: Mm. You're not just gonna
1: do a, you know, a half-assed job on yeah. something because you think you're all that. Well, yeah, actually, there's a puka here. There's a puka here. There's a puka here. But you didn't see it because you're like, yeah, it's fine. I'm great. But it's not always the case. Mm
0: -hmm. (laughs) Yeah. And that's goes right into the part about this ending the imposter syndrome. Is that he talks about? Listen to others. Let your subordinate step up and lead. one of the first warning signs is an attitude from the team members your big ego will brush up against theirs and cause friction so this is talking about if you're a leader that doesn't have imposter syndrome and you're super gung-ho confident going into a new role like yeah i I, I'm, i'm gonna be your guy's boss now and it says this is not good you're gonna have friction and you shouldn't have friction from your team this is not to say you won't naturally get pushbacks disagreements and suggestions but all of those things should lead to productive conversations where both sides learn and eventually agree if you can't get them to agree with your ideas that is a problem and the problem is likely you if your team members want to do something a certain way your goal should be to let them do it that way as long as their plan or idea has a decent chance of success try to let them execute it of course you can give guidance that will increase their likelihood of success but keeping the core plan will give them ownership and appease their egos this obviously only works if you put your own ego in check and that is huge because <laughs> i remember before i'd be like well why why don't why doesn't you know this person want to do it our way um you know wh- why are they pushing back so much and it's like Huh, verbal jiu-jitsu so what do you think we should do what do you, what do you think we should do Jimmy well I, I think we should do X Y and Z and I think we should implement X Y and Z awesome can you go do that well really yeah oh, oh, oh okay well I, I, I guess I'll start working on it okay awesome so just let me know when you got the doc ready and we'll get it going they're stoked it's crazy
1: because it shows that you trust them too. trust them too yeah
0: and the whole puka with the whole thing it's actually better when they do it and then you can see the pukas like oh wait, wait wait what about the beginning this looks like a pretty good plan i like it so so how does this ending and then boom
1: because you're more detached right yes. you're not just fully like engrossed and you have this tunnel vision like you're able to look um, up and out instead of down and in as he says
0: yeah and that's really important and so you know going into the next one is, I like this one. This is so straightforward, but it's so simple. Not easy. Not taking things personally. Page 187. <laughs> so, don't take things personally. You have to fight your ego to avoid taking things personally. Even when people ask for critique points, they often get mad when they actually hear them. Don't allow yourself to do that don't take criticism personally. Not about the plan you came up with, not about the idea you had, not about the presentation you gave, not about the decision you made, and even when the biggest rival, the last person you want to hear from has something to say, listen. Even when you, or even when someone you don't think is on your level, someone who isn't even close to having the knowledge, position, or authority to give you one iota of feedback, wants to speak, even then, do yourself a favor and just listen. Detach and listen to what they have to say. And from an objective mindset, see if you can learn anything at all from their commentary. Then apply it and say thank you. I know that stings. Get over yourself. This takes humility, but it will make you better.
1: Oh, I do things personally. Because I feel like sometimes... <laughs> I mean, I, I catch myself doing this sometimes in my own like relationship, but when I feel like I'm getting like criticized for something, it's so easy to um. What do they say? People just listen to respond; they don't actually listen to understand, right? And it's because it's it comes stems from our ego. Right? We don't want to be wrong, or we don't want to feel criticized. We don't want to feel blamed, um, but in the end, maybe they have a good point. You know, maybe there's something that we did overlook. But being defensive about it and trying to just make up excuses for something that happened, or whatever, whatever it is, isn't. They're not going to feel listened to, right? Which ends up just damaging the relationship. So. Not just listening to respond to people, but listening to actually understand what they're saying.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's so true. And th- that's a really great uh, you know, big picture because I, I remember somebody asked uh, Jocko in real time about, so what does that look like? Listen mm-hmm. to, because someone brought that up, listen to understand. And he's like, well, I ask questions back. Oh. Oh so tell me about them. So what's going on? Oh so the dog is da. Oh you know, what can we do to help or and then it's like oh that person feels understood, like oh my god Whereas it's like okay whatever you know, it's like oh
1: uh, <laughs> <laughs> tonality okay. is also super big yes. because if you ask yes. questions very like sarcastically then, of course, they're not going to think that you're serious, right? And they're just, they're going to get even more upset. So I think being really aware of tonality, which I have trouble with sometimes. Sorry, Josh. um, That when you are trying to ask questions to really understand is to sound sincere, right? You're trying to be sincere. So if in the back of your mind you have this, like, attitude because you don't think that you're wrong, it's going to show in that tonality, right? So... Just, I think just being aware of your body language. Like I tend to do a lot of eye rolls sometimes, and uh, my tonality is a little bit sharp. So just being really mindful of uh, what we say, how we say it, what word choice we're using, uh, and making sure that we're asking questions in a very respectful and sincere way. Um, will help them be more open too. Right? So that you can come to an agreement and not just butt heads or somebody shuts down and nothing gets resolved.
0: Mm-hmm. right? Or it ends
1: up like festering because you're all upset at each other.
0: Yeah, that's true.
1: Yeah. But no one wins. Yeah, really. Yeah, nobody no wins. Happens,
0: yeah. Dang.
1: But it is. It's it's hard to not
0: take things personally. It takes practice, I think. Yeah, for sure. I mean, all of this takes practice, right? Yeah. So it's so crazy. It's easy not. It's simple, not easy. Yeah, exactly. Speaking of easy, 196. The easy button. Oh, (laughs) dang. Okay, so this is a really good one. So if you have a really caretaking personality, it's very easy to become the easy button. Taking ownership, especially of hard tasks, does not mean doing everything for your team or your subordinate leaders. If you do that too much, you run the risk of becoming the easy button for them. What does that mean? It means whenever there is a problem with even the slightest level of difficulty, the team members will want you to solve it for them. You make their jobs and their lives easy by doing this. While occasionally stepping in and problem solving is required of a leader, If it becomes your default mode and if the troops begin to expect it, then it will ultimately hurt the team because you will be constantly be looking down and in instead of up and out. You'll be focused on tactical level issues when you should be looking at the strategic picture and figuring out what the next move will be. Worse, though, is that you will stunt the collective growth and progression of the team and the individuals that make it up. They will not learn to think. They will only learn to ask you for solutions. This will halt their progress and development as leaders themselves. Mm. Dang.
1: I feel like people that are really not not saying that this is me, but people that are really caring and they're really productive can get stuck in becoming the easy button because they want things to get solved right away and they don't want to inconvenience other people, so then they just do it themselves, right? But in the end, it doesn't, it doesn't really help. It may help in the moment, in yeah. short term, but it's its going to be detrimental later on because n- not everybody right, is growing at the same time. Yeah. It's just, okay, can you do this? Oh, I need help with this. Um, but we're not giving them tools to be able to solve it themselves later which if they're they're able to solve it themselves and it takes stuff off of you so that you can look at other you can look up and out, right? Mm -hmm. You can look at other things that you don't have to do yourself. It doesn't have to be as centralized and it can empower other people to be more confident in themselves and not have to always you know triple check something that we already trust them to do but we haven't given them that um, we haven't given them that opportunity to feel trusted I guess because we just solve it themselves we just solve it ourselves yeah right?
0: that's true so. and it, you know like what you're saying is so true because sometimes it doesn't feel good mm-hmm. to have that conversation like well I'm asking you Justin why can't you tell me what to do <laughs>
1: I used to ask him to <laughs> I used to say that to <laughs> Justin
0: all the time. Well, no, <laughs> everybody, you know, it is a natural response. It's like, yeah. well, oh, well that, that's the reason why I'm asking you, Justin. So, what, what, oh, well, what would you do if I wasn't here, you know, Jimmy? Well, oh, well, if he wasn't here, I probably would do X, Y, and Z. Oh, okay, yeah, I think that's a pretty good exercise <laughs> modification for Kathy over here. Oh, okay, band pull-aparts, yeah. Oh, and then they'll just like turn around and be like, "Oh, I got this," and because if I remember before, I'd be like, "Oh yeah, use this, use that, do this, <laughs> do that, this, this exercise, eat this, not that," and and then I realized I was like, "Oh my goodness!" Yeah, what you said is right. Yeah. But it doesn't feel good in the moment of like.
1: Because no, so because sometimes people get frustrated, right? Yeah. It's kind of yeah, it's like they're frustrated or. You know i mean th- there are there are times right where you're gonna have to make those quick decisions and yeah. you're um just gonna have to give them the solution if it's immediately if it's an emergency but or if it's something that has to get done like right this instant mm-hmm. but there are other times where it can be more of a learning opportunity um that will help them grow too and have confidence in themselves
0: yeah i like right? think we're an opportunity that's a good mindset you know, and it's so true because if it's a real-time situation, like mm-hmm. like if it's a customer, if, like if, a, if you're working at a store or anywhere and you have a customer waiting on you, that might not be the point where they're like, oh, so what do you think that we should do? What do you think that we should do? It is like, <laughs> okay, go grab that yellow one. It's an A and, and go grab that one. Sorry. And that might, that's necessary, <coughs> especially if it's for working out. If you're training somebody and they ask, oh, really quickly, oh, I need a modification for da. Oh, boom. Now, if it's like, oh, we have class starting up in 30 minutes, and I'm just wondering, I, I know that I see Jimmy coming in. I don't know why I keep saying Jimmy. <laughs> Jimmy coming in, and I know that his shoulder's not good, but they're coming in in 30 minutes. What uh, what, what, what should I do? Oh. So do you know any questions? I like that. That's a good thing to balance.
1: I wrote, um, I do, we do, you do. So we do this in teaching a lot, right, where it's okay you show people or you show the kids how to do something like as an example Um, we do it together like as a class and then it ends up being them doing being able to do it independently right not just saying okay copy me every single time because it doesn't really stick that way but and even more so being able to teach somebody how to do it that's the best for them to really remember mm-hmm. um, something. So that's I think that also applies to adults. I do, me do, you do.
0: Yeah, I think mean, that's huge. Dang. That's the easy button. Mm-hmm. Easy button. What would you suggest for someone that's listening and they're like, well, but I have to help them. Or what, what would you say? Because someone might be listening like, man, but I, I just really want to help them out.
1: But by giving them the solution every single time, you're not really helping them in the end. Mm-hmm. Right? You may be helping them in the moment. In the moment. Um, but if it's not something that's really pressing, like, it can be, you know, you, you can have that five-minute conversation with them and, you know, ask the questions and help them, like, have, help the cogs kind of move in their minds, mm-hmm. then kind of build that like problem solving like muscle if you will then that helps them in the long term and then it'll end up helping you it'll end up helping the organization and the mission uh in the long term but they also might get frustrated because they want the answer right now Mm -hmm. and if they're not confident in themselves and if we didn't give them feed them that confidence that's why they're not confident then, you know, taking those small steps and trusting them and leading them through the process mm. I think is gonna help them more than just giving them, them the solution right then and there, every mm. time.
0: That's huge, that's really Some good advice right there. So if you're listening, help them become independent. Good empower, answer.
1: right? Power, buzzword. That's That's a good empower.
0: Word. That's a good word. So <clears throat> another one that you know people ask was, how do you lead peers? Like if you're same rank, if you're the same server among servers, but you gotta lead your team, how do you do that without rubbing people the wrong? How do you lead your peers? If you're both managers, if you're both servers, if you're both this, and you gotta lead that person who's mm-hmm. same rank. So this is Leading Peers, page 221. So influence can be a challenge to develop with peers because when rank is equivalent, egos often become more visible. People people are always looking to prop themselves up, get an edge on others. If you allow your ego to manifest itself when working with peers, you will draw out the worst of your peers' egos as well. (coughs) Egos must be subdued. Start with subduing your own ego. If you fail to subdue your ego, you will develop an antagonistic relationship with your peers. And skipping a little bit, 222. One of the best ways to subdue your own ego and start building a relationship with your peers is by supporting their ideas. They might come up with a plan slightly different from yours, but if it is uh, functional and will get the job done, support it let them take the lead don't feel the need to stick out your chest and flex your ideas instead support your peers ideas even if you think your idea is better if your peers idea is close go with it the dedication they will have to successfully execute their plan will be far greater than the lackluster motivation they will have trying to execute yours and more important once you have accepted their plan It shows them you are open to their ideas. And that means, in most cases, they will listen to your ideas as well. Dang. That's uh, really interesting. Um, Peers, leading peers. And one of the next parts, 223. If one of your peers' egos is out of control and they begin to maneuver to make themselves look good, or even to make you look bad, don't fall into the ego trap. Don't attack them. Simply continue to do great work and put the mission first. They might get some initial positive attention from their selfish actions, but eventually they will be uncovered. Take the high ground or the high ground will take you. That is incredible. As you put the team and mission before yourself and keep your ego in check, you will begin to form relationships with your peers. That is the ultimate goal. If you have a relationship, you can influence your peers. That is leadership. Putting your ego in check can be very challenging. I like to play a game to put egos in perspectives. And there are many ways to play it. I call it, who would you hire or who would you promote? It works like this. Imagine you have two subordinate leaders working for you who are peers and are both running different but similar projects. They both fail to successfully complete their project on time. You bring the first leader in, ask him what went wrong. A bunch of things went wrong, he replies. The material didn't show up on time, Our subcontractors were late, we had terrible weather that cost us a few days of work, and on top of that, there were some conflicts between two of my shifts, and they weren't passing information to each other. Clearly, this leader is not going to take ownership of anything. As a boss, you should not be happy at all with this attitude. You call the next subordinate leader in. And you ask, what went wrong with her project? Her attitude is different. A bunch of things went wrong, she says. First of all, I didn't order the materials early enough, so some of them showed up late. From now on, I will be sure to order all materials earlier. And I also didn't do a good job of keeping our subcontractors on track. And they were late completing their part of the project. Next time, I'm going to do a daily check-in to confirm their progress and make sure things are on track. If they're not, I will make adjustments to get them on track and make sure they are not late. We also ran some weather issues, and unfortunately, I didn't have a contingency plan. On the next project, I will be informing everyone that days missed due to weather will be made up on the weekend so we don't fall behind. And lastly, two of my shift team members were not getting along well, and I need to make sure that they do. I will play a more proactive role to ensure all of our teams are getting along well and are fully integrated working together those are the things i'm going to fix next time clearly this is a much different attitude one of ownership and getting problems solved now ask yourself a question which of these two individuals would you promote to the next level of leadership the answer is obvious you promote the person who takes ownership and gets problem solved and so That's huge, Leading Peter. I mean, that's a great story, and I hope you guys listening, man. This is a great story because it's such a vivid picture. You can Mm -hmm. like really imagine someone just being like, well, this messed up and that messed up, and you know, know, Amazon was late and this was late, and then you know, but and then they were this and they were that, and it's so easy. And and then the other person of like, well, you know, I, I dropped the ball on it, and then boom.
1: I mean really the big difference is is that yeah okay they knew that there was an issue but they're figuring out how they're gonna make it better next time and not just point all of these things out all these issues but they're figuring out okay well how am i going to or what am i going to do differently next time so that it doesn't happen again Mm. because right the project was a failure if you do the same thing again you're just going to fail again so figuring out what's gonna happen so that the issues don't happen again yeah something like that
0: that's huge and uh, you know for people listening i just want people to know that alan is that second person uh (laughs) if something happens i don't ever hear her blaming other people or like uh blaming anything it's just like oh josh I didn't manage my time correctly and then here's what I'm going to try to do next time. Or you know, whatever, and it, it's it's sincere. It's not like what you said. It's not like, oh, yeah, I just you know, I should have you know, checked my schedule. You know, because like, you can I tell. guess. Yeah I, yeah. Like, yeah, I guess I should have <laughs> checked my schedule. Like, you, you know, and it's, it, it can tell. It's sincere. And that's why people, will, people like that always move up the ranks. What, whatever you work or nonprofit or religious or whatever it is, you'll end up always moving up. Even though that person isn't looking for that sometimes. It's like, oh, Mm -hmm. it just happens. Mm -hmm. And so almost closing off, we got a couple more. This is a great one. Reflect and diminish. Mm -hmm. This thing works wonderful. 287. So a leader must have control over his or her emotions. Letting emotions drive decisions is a mistake. This does not mean leaders are devoid of emotions, but it does mean they have to learn and direct and modulate them. There are some times when emotions must be shown to make a point or to connect with others. Let's say one of your subordinates comes into your office, face red with anger and shouts, this is ridiculous. The supply department didn't deliver our materials on time. That's two weeks in a row now, and we will probably miss our deadline. Clearly your subordinate needs to calm down, but don't tell them that. If you tell your subordinate, listen, buddy, you need to just calm down. Your words will have the opposite effect. Your subordinate will get even angrier. They will be frustrated that you don't understand what is upsetting them. And it will convince them that you have zero clue about the cataclysmic effect of the failure of the supply department that will have on the entire organization. By telling your subordinate to calm down, you have also opened up a chasm between you two. You are on one side and your subordinate is on the other. Instead of opening their mind, your subordinate now shuts down and doesn't hear anything else you have to say and no progress will be made. So instead of starting an adversarial conversation with your subordinate, become an ally. A good way to go about doing this is the reflect and diminish technique. Reflect and diminish means to reflect the emotions you are seeing from your subordinate, but diminish them to a more controlled level. So when your subordinate comes in fuming and screaming about the failure of the supply department to deliver materials on time, instead of telling them to calm down, raise your voice a little bit to reflect the anger, but diminish that emotion a little bit so it isn't as strong as theirs and start, and start to de-escalate the situation. It might end up sounding like, you've gotta be kidding. How late are they with the delivery? With that statement and the emotion reflected, You are now on your subordinate's side. Two days, your subordinate replies, still mad, but with less venom. Now you can settle down a little bit more too. Two days is way too long. We need to fix that permanently. But we also need to do something to fix the predicament that you're in. How can I help to make that happen? Within this brief exchange, the situation has calmed down. And you and your subordinate can now start to solve the actual problem at hand. This works with just about any emotion. If someone is sad, reflect, but try to diminish that sadness a little. If someone is envious, mirror a little bit of that envy so then you can explain what envy really is, their ego, and they will actually listen to you. Even when someone thinks a comment or a situation is funny and you don't, telling them to tighten up and be serious is gonna make them think you don't have a sense of humor. So instead, smile, maybe chuckle a little bit, and then explain why you both need to take things more seriously. And this is incredible. This this technique works up the chain of command as well, that's down. Don't isolate yourself emotionally from your team.
1: You're really good at reflect and diminish, you've noticed. Reflect and diminish. Someone gets mad. Mm
0: what's an example you brought what do you mean by that?
1: Um, like if I was upset uh, with something at school let's say um, and I really just need to like rant and <laughs> I'm just really upset but it's you know I don't want to be upset in front of members of course right because you don't want that like negative energy affecting them so having a by having a conversation with you you're really good about Okay, you kind of, like, share my anger, and then you lessen it a little bit, usually by asking questions, um, or having me, like, explain the situation a little bit more, and then eventually it, I mean, eventually not, like, an hour, eventually, like, five minutes, kind (laughs) of, you're really quick about it, um, and then I'm, like, calm, like, okay, and (laughs) then, but I'm not, like, still mad, you know, it's just being able to share that anger with somebody and have them feel like that they understand. Mm -hmm. Even if you don't fully understand, just sharing that frustration lets me know that, okay, you're not like against me, right? You're not trying to defend whoever. Um, It's, okay, you're on my side. And, okay. Okay, I'm good.
0: (laughs) (laughs) And that goes with what you said earlier about Listening to understand, and that's a genuine thing. Like, I really want. Some people probably really want to understand. Like, what, what happened? And the worst thing to say is, "Listen, buddy, you need to just calm down and take ownership." Like, like I remember even Jocko was like joking about that. He was like, "That's not the thing to say when someone just got fired and you're pissed off and mad." And, Listen, buddy, you need to first calm down and take ownership of what you failed at. Like, now he said, "That's not what you say to somebody that just someone bad happened to."
1: Well, because then so. it makes them. <laughs> feel like okay well now i have another enemy yeah you know like you're I'm not you're not on my side like you're against me and now i need to fight you too yeah i
0: need to convince you of how yeah. i feel mm-hmm. yeah that's true yeah and and you know that actually builds relationships as well for people listening it it really does because when s- someone can feel comfortable to share something that they're upset or they're sad about or, or whatever feeling they are feeling it, the level of trust about say, he was talking about don't isolate yourself of emotions from your team because they, you know they don't want you to be a robot nobody wants you to be like yeah i'm good how are you fine good i'm fine yeah 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 i'm good to go like that that's okay to say like once in a while like oh yeah yeah i'm good like Oh, today's great! Like this is what happened. This is what we did. Did you, you know, I, I checked out this thing on football. Did you watch that show? Did you, whatever it is, that shows a human. Now, don't do that too much, where it's like, you know, nothing, nothing happens. But a little bit of emotion and like realness is so key to reflect and diminish. that is such a powerful, powerful thing. Dang. And you know, one of the last things. This is actually the last thing. The conclusion. Alan, I'll have you read off these last couple paragraphs.
1: That the, uh, it's all on you but not about you? Yep. Okay. Uh, when you are a leader, there are no excuses, and there is no one else to blame. You have to make decisions. You have to, <laughs> You have to build relationships. You have to communicate so that everyone can understand. You have to control your ego and your emotions. You have to be able to detach. You need to instill pride in the team. You need to train the team. You need to be balanced and tactful and aware, and you have to take ownership. The list goes on and on and makes up this incredibly complex undertaking that we call leadership. And if you do all those things well, if you lead effectively, the team will be successful and the mission will be accomplished. If you do not lead effectively, you will fail and the team will not accomplish the mission. Leadership is all on you. But at the same time, leadership is not about you. Not at all. Leadership is about the team. The team is more important than you are. The moment you put your own interests above the team and above the mission is the moment you fail as a leader. When you think you can get away with it, when you think the team won't notice your self-serving maneuvers, you are wrong. Your people will see it and they will know it. The leadership strategies and tactics in this book are, you, are to be used not so you can be successful, these strategies and tactics are to be used so the team can be successful. If you use them to further your own career or your own agenda, eventually these strategies and tactics will backfire and bring you down. You will fail as a leader and as a person. But if you use these strategies and tactics with a goal of helping others and of helping the team accomplish the mission, then the team will succeed and if the team succeeds you win as a leader and as a person but infinitely more important your people win and that is true leadership
0: mm. powerful conclusion Yeah.
1: because you know yeah. yeah. i mean you can tell like maybe not always at first mm-hmm. but you can tell when people have kind of have their own agenda where what's an
0: example like so, people listen. Uh, like, uh, what's in like an agenda? Um. Yeah. Uh, I don't wanna, you don't have to use hand Yeah,
1: don't, don't Well, use the name. situation yeah. is very specific. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, let me see. I guess, well, so so Joclet says like there's like a the difference right between manipulation and leadership. Oh
0: yes, right. yes, that's also. Awesome. Although leadership
1: is kind of like man- manipulative manipulating Mm -hmm. Um, the difference between manipulation and leadership is people that are trying to manipulate others it's because they're trying to get people to do things for to benefit themselves Mm -hmm. right? whereas um, leadership is okay you're trying to get people to do things same as the manipulators but the only difference is is the goal is to help other people and to help the mission and Mm -hmm. to help the team So where it's not about, okay, how can I get ahead? It's, okay, how can we grow as as an organization? How can Mm -hmm. we um, help our members? How can we um, grow our teammates? How can we um, help more people in Maui, you know, become happier, healthier people by Mm -hmm. fighting sickness with fitness, you Mm -hmm. know? Not just, oh, I'm going to um, get these people to do this, this, and this so that I can be recognized. Mm FYI, I don't like being the center of attention, so this is really uncomfortable. <laughs> um, uh, but, I don't know. I, I guess that that's just kind of what it reminded me of. And he, he also talks about it right in the book, where eventually their agenda and finding out that they are manipulating people for themselves, mm. it's going to get found out eventually. Mm-hmm. You know, it may not be right away. You know, it may take some time. Mm-hmm. But being um, really diligent in like your own ways and um, being really humble and uh, trusting others and being respectful to others and you know building that influence, that eventually is going to get uh, recognized mm. right by others, where it's mm. like, okay, she's not manipulating me and she's trying to help me grow, or whatever the case is. Yeah.
0: That's so true, and like what you said, it's just, it, it, it's true because it takes time, because they're both usually charismatic, and I'm not gonna say names, but I've had mentors, or one mentor in particular that really was so charismatic, and she just drew me in, and just you know just sold me something like a like a incredible master salesperson and charismatic and just unbelievable, but within maybe like. A Few months, yeah. About a few months, I realized, oh, this is all to benefit her. Mm-hmm. What the and versus some other mentors, awesome people uh, like Todd and Jocko, they don't want anything. They're just like, oh man, it's, it's gonna help you, it's gonna help your team, it's gonna help your island, it's gonna help your zip code go impact and go do this and you know, change your lives and lead your team. And, and it's like, and you can feel it's not just lip service. Uh, And I still feel that from those two guys to this day. Todd Durkin and Jocko Willing, I still feel that from them. And um, it's been a while for Todd now. Like, I don't really feel like, oh, there's some secret agenda that he wants. Whereas um, one of my – actually, it's just so crazy, it was my first mentor. They just wanted $30,000, a mistake I made, okay? So I'm sharing that because sometimes – i bought into it thirty thousand dollar mistake
1: that was what six years ago five years ago yeah
0: yeah four or five years ago yeah
1: so things that you know now right oh my gosh and things that you didn't know then but but at the same time learning from that experience right also helps so you feel like it sucks like in that in that moment right and that's kind of a lot of money to be in debt that all these things that happen um, to us or through us helped us kind of build who we are and Mm -hmm. the decisions that we end up making now and the attitudes that we have and the different perspectives that we're able to give I feel like yeah it's kind of junk then Mm -hmm. but then look at where we are now yeah because of it because of what we learned
0: And that's so true because it's almost like uh, having a – like that's what it was, a a terrible work relationship, but not really even terrible. It was just a great learning experience. And because of that, I got to uh, not personally meet John Maxwell, but learn from John Maxwell indirectly, Tom Durkin, Drew Brees, uh, Jocko, and like just – it's just an incredible journey because it's like once they get smacked upside the heart and the head it's like oh that's the red flags <laughs> to look for okay this is when they're starting to pull your heartstrings and you start to and it, the, the crazy thing is we could do a whole podcast on like manipulation of like holy cow it's like that's exactly what you don't want to do it's almost like uh, making a mistake working out mm-hmm. and you don't want to round your back and say like, oh that hurt physically but uh, emotionally too. So, conclusion: it is all on you, but not about you, and that is huge. Anything you want to close off with, Alan Kaliba, future general manager?
1: <laughs> Just very thankful. Thank for the opportunity that you've given me, for the teammates that um, you, or for what you have built, really. Help build a team. You've helped us grow, even when it was very uncomfortable. <laughs> still, is uncomfortable <laughs> sometimes. <laughs> but uh, and and with the members too. So, I'm just really appreciative for I for everything because I would not have thought from where I was. Before. How long has it been studying with you? Five years. Five, five years. years. That. This is what we would be doing, and this mm-hmm. is where I would be. Yeah. Working out as a member at first. That's crazy.
0: So, really quickly before we wrap this up, Alan started off as a member, and actually before that was just, was an acquaintance and colleague at Kamehameha School mm-hmm. in 2015, and that's when we. Kind of met at the end of the year at one of our friends' family funeral. Um, and then I had mentioned to her that I was going to do my own gym thing and then leave the school. And she was like, Yeah, I want to support that. And actually, Alan was one of our first members I think, first five members that ever signed up. So I was stoked because every dollar went to rent. Um, and so she really helped build the gym because she kept bringing in her she brought her mom in she brought her uh judy she bought different friends and um ariel and all these different people to come work out and even just to check us out and put us out there in social media and help the first year of life just to get through the first year and then on top of that then she became a coach There's a lot of stories about that uh about the because how, how, how hard-headed I was and insecure I was I'm still insecure at some things but I, I was really insecure about a lot of stuff about like, well, what happens if I give, you know, that or this and so I was like, I gotta do it all myself and that wasn't good and some of you guys already heard the whole anxiety attack thing but that's another episode but Alan went through up the ranks from colleague to member to a paying member now to becoming a coach, to becoming an account- accountability coach, to becoming our head coach, and then she became our operations manager, director of operations. And then here we are, she's gonna officially start a general manager in July of twenty twenty one through COVID. Actually she's the reason why that we got through COVID. One of the major reasons why of course her team and the members and everything but she really helped on the on the on the back end i know she doesn't like recognition and stuff on the back end she killed it um we couldn't have got through covid without her and everybody else um but all her actions that aren't seen in the public i mean it was just incredible how many hours and how much effort and she never asked for like well you know if i do this and i gotta get that It, it was just like you know what i gotta do it i'm gonna do this i'm gonna do that we got this you know and it was just incredible and i did the thing about hey one of the chapters we just read, hey here's the mission figure it out how you want to do it this was one of our programs we had i said when we first shut down alan here's what we got to do figure out how you want to do it let's check it out on saturday oh my god what are we doing oh
1: my god i was freaking out
0: (laughs) and and she crushed the project and because of these things we're here today we're able to do a podcast we're able to talk to you, listen to you uh, listen to your questions and continue to spread fighting sickness with fitness. So Alan, thank you for everything the last five years and the next five and ten and twenty years and thirty years and you know, to, to come. So thank you.
1: But at the same time though, Justin, if I didn't feel like you trusted me and if you didn't give me those opportunities beforehand to you know, take on different projects and to kind of have autonomy to, to do what I felt like would work. Um, and then to also know that the team was going to support it too. Mm-hmm. I don't think that I would have been as gung-ho. About it because I wouldn't have had that confidence. I mean, granting you know, I still wasn't uber confident in it, but <laughs> I was more willing to at least try to, to to try it out and to try to figure something out because I wanted us to make it through COVID. Mm-hmm. But without your support from before that, without the team support and you know being able to interact with the members before all this, that I. You basically everyone has helped me become I have way more to grow but at least become someone different than who I was five years ago you know, there's obviously way more to grow way more room to grow but I would not have done a lot of the things that or been able to experience a lot of the things that we've had the past five years without everyone's support Mm -hmm. as simple as that including my family
0: look at this she's so humble she just keeps deflecting the credit and um she she passes it up and down to everybody and that's what a leader is Mm -hmm. and it it, it's incredible Jocko. if you watch this we're coming to muster i'm so excited (laughs) We gotta get you on the podcast, Jocko Willink. (laughs) And we gotta roll. We gotta train some jujitsu. Alright, well, anyway, ladies and gentlemen, please like, comment, subscribe. The next episode, episode 50, coming up, we have a special nutrition episode coming up for episode 50. Oh, I apologize. Not nutrition. Episode 50 is gonna be a special bone health episode. It was a highly asked episode because people always ask, what do I do to prevent osteoporosis? all these different things and especially because our, we have a specific audience two audiences one younger one older that are going into their 50s 60s and 70s that want to minimize and deter, the d- deterioration of the bones so look out for that episode that's going to be with our my, me and tyler's professor professor chris williams And until then keep fighting sickness and fitness